Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about US politics and the Trump presidency, or as we journalists call it, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm Freddie Gray, I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Jacob Heilbrunn, who is editor of The National Interest and a regular contributor to Spectator USA. And we're going to be discussing, is Trump saving America or wrecking it? Jacob, you've got a very interesting piece in the Washington Post today. And it's, the headline is, Trump isn't fighting American decline, he's speeding it up. Now, this sort of goes against a narrative that we've heard quite a lot, not just in the sort of Trumpist press, but also much more in the, uh, let's say, the Wall Street Journal and more mainstream media institutions, that Trump might actually be sort of saving America from terminal decline. And you think the events of recent days especially have shown that he's not saving America, he's actually destroying it faster than ever. Is that a fair summation of your piece? It is indeed. The question is, Trump promised to make America great again, but is he in fact destroying its greatness? What prompted me to conclude this most recently was the collapse of the negotiations with the North Koreans over the summit. Trump accepted the invitation impetuously, tweeted out jejun statements such as that world peace could be in the offing, and then just as impulsively abandon the summit. And he also did the same thing with the embassy in Jerusalem. He has threatened trade war with China. Then the next day, he tries to rescue ZTE, a uh, cell company in, in China. And so it just doesn't end. There just seems to be a constant flip-flopping in Trump policy. But a lot of people call Trump's policy transactional, that he approached it like he might approach a real real estate deal. Um, you know, he, he deals with international relations like he was sort of trying to buy an expensive flat in New York. It, you might also just call it improvisational, as in he's sort of making it up as he goes along. But quite a lot of, I think, very intelligent people think this might actually be a good thing. Well, improvisation worked for for jazz musicians, Freddie, who are steeped in music theory and actually have a sound grounding in composition and in chord structure. Now, to analogize by that, Trump has spent no time studying American diplomacy. He has a half-baked view of it dating back to the 1970s that simply by raising the stakes as high as possible in the beginning with bluff and bombast and then threatening and then coming to the table and striking some kind of a compromise, he can win the negotiations. Now, maybe that worked for him to some extent in real estate and he is a branding genius, but he ran into North Korea, which pursued the same tactics, calling Vice President Pence a political dummy, calling Trump a dotard, and so forth. When confronted with a serious enemy, there's no indication that Trump knows how to handle them. And when in North Korea, he just threw over the the chess set and walked away from the table. When it comes to China, he bows and scrapes. But what you could say that 
I mean, he's with, with the North Korean sort of now pulling out of the summit. He's just put the leverage back in his favor. You know, that's what the that's what people who think Trump has a vague idea what he's doing would say. I don't see it because it seems to me that the North is is the winner so far. It got Trump to agree to a negotiation to, to and to actually meet face to face with its supreme leader one on one. It was Trump who put out the commemorative coin. It was Trump who hyped what could emerge from the summit and then in the end suffered what people are calling a face plant. But, well, we probably shouldn't get too distracted with this because we want to talk about sort of whether he's wrecking America, not his foreign policy. But just quickly, I think you did a piece for Spectator USA. You did do a piece for Spectator USA last week about whether John Bolton has actually destroyed the, the Korean peace process. Um, and if that is true, this is Trump's national security advisor, if that is true, surely he'll get fired quite soon. No, I think Bolton is a savvy operator. And actually what happened was that both Vice President Mike Pence and National Security Advisor Bolton talked about the Libya option, which was a red flag to North Korea. And Pence and Bolton, it could be that they outmaneuvered a naive president and scotched the negotiations that he had placed a premium upon. For Trump, the pageantry of the summit, the ability to appear as a world leader in Singapore, meeting face-to-face with one of the most reviled dictators in the world, would have been a tremendous PR opportunity. And that has vanished or could it be that, to be very cynical about it, he simply realises that the latest allegations from the Mueller, inqu- the Mueller investigation and also just general corruption charges swirling around him, he needed to, f- to, to lash out and change the news cycle and cancelling the North Korea summit was a good way of doing that. Is that a possibility? No, I don't think so. I think he needed the, the North Korea summit... To, to distract from the investigation. But it's also possible that because he's concluded he needs to go on the offense, maybe the, the North Korea negotiation didn't matter quite as much to him because he is going on the war path against Mueller and hurling quite audacious charges at the FBI and the Department of Justice claiming that Stephen Halper, a former professor at Cambridge University and a former veteran of the Ford, Nixon, and Reagan administrations, was in fact a spy that the FBI and the Obama administration had implanted in his campaign. But if Trump is acting wildly on the international stage because of what's going on in the Mueller inquiry. And he does seem to sort of lash out when he feels he's getting unfair pressure on the Mueller inquiry. Could you argue that it's in the national interest and actually to shut the Mueller inquiry down because of the the extent of damage that Trump could do to America, if that hypothesis is true? Absolutely not. Nixon tried this too, claiming that international events were so pressing that he shouldn't be investigated at all, and that it was a distraction from the national interest. The fact is that the national interest does revolve around the question now of what the extent was of Russian interference into the 2016 presidential election and how 
to address it in the future. Is it Russia now, or is it more that there's a Trumpy swamp that is even more fetid, as you put in your excellent piece this week, than the, the swamps that have gone before it, than the Obama swamp or the Bush swamp? Well, Trump has been uh, brought in a set of cronies who have tried to operate the same way they did at Trump, that he did at Trump Tower. It's just much on a much more massive scale right now in Washington, where you have federal officials trying to exploit their positions for personal gain. And we also have the revelations, of course, that Trump's former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, was apparently got somewhere between four hundred to six hundred thousand dollars from the Ukrainian government to try and arrange a meeting between the Ukrainian president Petro Poroshenko and Trump in two thousand seventeen. We wrote about that in the Spectator as well. For Brits, that feels quite a significant story. Does a story like that? Get, I mean, the BBC Paul Wood broke it. Does the Ukrainian bribing their way into the Oval Office story, does that hold much interest for Americans? Are they as bothered by that as as perhaps we think they should be? Interestingly, it hasn't gotten as much traction as as you might think. I don't think even the New York Times or the Washington Post wrote about it. It did get some some mention on on social media, but it could be that there's so many different scandals swirling around and Trump has attempted to, to pursue his pursuers by alleging that they are the ones that have been engaging in the very behavior that they, they accuse him of by, by implanting spies in his campaign and, he's, and so forth. So to some degree, Trump has been effective in changing the, the narrative of the Mueller investigation. And if he wants to change that narrative even further, would he would he order Mueller to arrest people? Would he press for charges? Can what can he what can he do to push the investigation back towards the Democrats rather than towards him? Well, he could try and get another special counsel appointed that that the the to get the Justice Department to investigate the Democrats and set up a competing investigation. Those efforts haven't gone anywhere yet. I think he would have to fire both Attorney General Jeff Sessions and Deputy Attorney Rod Rosenstein and put in his own flunkies to be able to get those kinds of results. And if he did that, then he would fire Mueller as well. When you say that Trump is hastening American decline, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, the principal worry has to be trade. The American economy is, has been flourishing for the past couple of years. And contrary to Republican mythology, it did begin under the Obama administration, and it's continued under the Trump administration. But the opposition to free trade that seems to be an inveterate part of Donald Trump could threaten to topple the post-war prosperity that America has enjoyed since 1945. And that rested what was constructed after 45 with both Asia and, and Europe, the attempt to keep pushing for more free trade, was not simply a benevolent charitable act, but of mutual economic benefit. Trump portrays the United States as being systematically looted by its allies. And now he's talking about imposing a 25% tariff on cars from Mexico. And 
because he wants to try and re, he's trying to renegotiate NAFTA. But all of these tariffs that he is imposing end up angering our allies and function as effectively as a tax on Americans. We're already paying more for washing machines because the Trump administration has imposed tariffs on, on washing machines. Then there's the aluminum and steel tariffs. And there's a lumber tariff. So apparently the cost of a new house in the United States to build a new house has gone up 18%. So these moves are both inflationary and, I think, destabilizing for the economy. So I, unlike, I'm not a protectionist, and I think this is mythology. And you, as a Brit, Freddie, should know that in the 19th century, Cobden and Bright essentially put paid to these protectionist myths. And well, we were all taught very religiously almost that the repeal of the Corn Laws was a great thing for Britain, but I, I think there's two, <laughs> there are now different different schools of thought on that. But I, I mean, I think that in terms of American decline, well, Americans don't seem to be feeling it under Trump. That's certainly if the polls so far reflect anything, he's doing pretty well. His job approval rating is quite good for a president at this stage? It's a- actually, the approval rating is not good. I mean, he's... 43%, he's, that's, that's where Clinton low. was. It, that's very low, historically. It's where Clinton, it's where Clinton was? <clears throat> at, um, not now, but at the, at the, at the trough of, of Clinton's presidency. But look, there is a substantial reservoir of support for Donald Trump. There's no question. And the United States is doing very... The economy is doing very well right now. Unemployment is very low, as he keep pointing out. Yeah, my, my concern is that the economy is like a bicycle, and if someone pokes a stick through the spokes, it's all of a sudden can go in a very different direction. And Trump's motto should be the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Stop meddling with, with what's working. Jacob, I think we'll end it there, but thank you very, very much indeed, and I hope you'll talk to us at the next phase of America's Decline. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. <laughs>